0: Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. Joel Embiid's pretty good, huh? The final 11 points of the game. His defensive effort clearly showed what a way to get his hand on the ball to create the turnover. And then what he did at the end of the first half as well to cut the deficit. I mean, I thought it was huge for the Sixers to be down around five points or so at the half. Because, well, it could have been a lot worse. And quite frankly, because of the way that they were shooting so poorly, It it felt as if they were farther away than they really were. And then what do you know? They find a way to grind back down 16, whether it was a Matisse-Thibel-off-the-glass-beautiful take to the rim or a Tobias Harris-Desperation 3 with barely any time left on the shot clock. They found their way on a second half of a back-to-back in your own building. And you can thank the big fella, Joel Hans and Bede, for his 30 points, for his seven assists. He's finding ways to get his teammates going on top of him just being dominant with the fadeaway jumper around the free throw line to take the lead. It's outrageous. My man hits his free throws. It doesn't make any sense for him to be this smooth, but damn it, he's this smooth. And it's a beautiful, beautiful watch in the beginning beginning of the game you're watching the team struggle to put the ball in his hands and it's like hey how do I get the big fella the ball I have no idea it's almost as if we didn't really need to over the last couple of games but they still kicked ass because on Sunday I know not a lot of people paid attention to it because the Eagles were the biggest storyline in the city but they did go into Orlando on their their little I, I guess you say road trips nowadays because you're seeing that throughout the season you already did that in Toronto where you see Toronto twice in a row when you go to their city they go to Orlando and they just kick ass shake Milton house even Furcon got on the box score and had a. they had that one play Furcon's throwing it behind the back the ball's moving in the paint it gets kicked out to Furky for three this was on Sunday so if you actually spent some time and watched the game at six o'clock and stayed through it because it was such a blowout that there really wasn't any true substance to keep you on the edge of your seat. But that's what this team has done, okay? They've been winning some basketball games and playing a lot better as of late. You're starting to see the team get healthier as Tobias missed time for a bit and then came back, and now he looks to be super sharp. And Joel and his first day, Well, it took him a bit of time. And same with Shake. Shake was out of his element early, but then he ended up becoming such a major piece to the win. And Shake is playing fantastic ball. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what to expect from Shake Milton moving forward. But if you get anything like this, if you get something so incredible like we've been seeing to this point, and you add that to Tyrese Maxey, and you add that to James Harden, that's scary. That's an addition that I did not anticipate coming. I honestly didn't think that Shake Milton would have a, a crucial piece to the pie. When you think of the additions that Daryl Morey made in the offseason, bringing in house, bringing in De'Anthony Melton, who I like a lot. You know about George Niang. You know about the backup minutes for Joel Embiid. So whether it's Paul Reed or Harrell, whatever they elect to do, I'm sure it's going to be a back and forth. It'll be a flip nonstop throughout this entire season. You think about that, and then you think about how many guys play in a playoff rotation. Shake would have to really, 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 really make a statement, and damn it, he is. I thought the two-man game between him and Joel started to get going, and you're like, hold on a second. Look at this chemistry. Look at this little how-do-you-do. Let's keep attacking. Let's keep seeing what this can blossom into because the way he's playing with so much confidence right now You could see it bleeding out on the floor. Just casual 20-plus each night. Casual assist playmaking for his team. And this is happening when, one, super slow start, and two, it's not as if the team shot extremely well. So to find ways to get all those apples, it's just great stuff. And I'm thoroughly enjoying this team and I'm thoroughly enjoying the way that they're playing right now. And I even gotta give Doc Rivers a lot of credit for how he handled this game because I thought he really did coach this team to a win. The usage of Matisse Thibel with the zone, the team wasn't doing very well offensively, figured what the hell? If they're not making their shots and they're not scoring at will, what's putting Matisse Thibel in there gonna do to that side of the floor? And it made a huge impact defensively, which helped the team get some run offensively. And hell, here he is. He ends up helping out offensively during that stint. So kudos to Doc. And then at the end of the game, you look at the way that he fouled, up three, didn't want the Hawks to get a chance, get a look. So he puts them on the charity stripe, misses the first free throw. What are you gonna do? You can't win if you're not getting the freebies, if you're not taking the free ones. So he had a plan. He didn't want to give them a look. Bada bing, bada boom. That's all she wrote. Or was it a two point game at that time of the foul. I'll go below, go back and look at the play by play, but I'm pretty positive it was the three point game that they didn't want them to, to tie it up on the on the um on the free throw. Let's see here. Let's get to that foul. It was 10. Oh, yes, it was. It was 103 to 100 at that point. John Collins missed the first one and then made the second. But speaking of John Collins, how about when Joel Embiid has a turnover on the offensive side of the floor, gets back and has a monster block at the defensive end, and Collins tries to get up all quick, and I think I read his lips properly where he made a statement like he got hit in the head. Oh, come on, dude. I saw the replay 6,000 times, okay? I saw the replay. I watched it a billion times. So screw the 6,000. I watched it a billion. I saw my man get back and swat the shit out of you. That's what happens with Joel Embiid's presence. And I think this team right now is playing such a good way defensively, it's forcing the Atlanta Hawks to turn the ball over because they're swarming you and they're making it difficult for you. They're playing a, a way right now that I can truly say is super fun and super entertaining, and what do you know, now they're starting to win, what do you know, now they're 12-9, and nine. crazy, it's almost as if they just needed a bit of time, and now they're starting to really show their worth, and they have a game on Wednesday, they have a game on Friday, and I expect this to continue, now they're going to drop a game, okay, they're going to lose eventually, but you just see the team starting to become one. You see the personalities mesh a little bit more. You see the role starting to play out into fruition here. What the guys are going to look like. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. P.J. Tucker, still not there on the offensive side. Maybe you look at George Niang at a specific time and think that he might give you more in that particular moment. Not every single day I'm willing to give Doc Rivers a bunch of credit, but I thought in this one, it needs to be highlighted that he pushed certain buttons, and those certain buttons, I think, played a big role in the outcome, starting with what Matisse Thybul did. And the fact that he actually produced at times on the offensive side, well, hell, that's the uh, that's the added bonus. That's the cherry on top. That's the whipped cream. But if I'm Matisse Thibault, I'm looking at myself in the mirror going, oh, wow, look at the difference in what I'm capable of doing and how I can help this team. If if I can just play on the other side, it shouldn't take this to inform him that. He should know this. Like, he should have known this since the day he was born and started to put a basketball in his hands. But I digress. I'm just saying. He's here now. There's nothing you can change about the past But if I'm him, I go, look at how this changes everything, not just for me and how much time I can play, which would probably be number one on my list considering I know where I am on the depth chart. But look at how this helps my team. You know, just saying. Just saying. Uh, They were down 16, and they just kept going and kept grinding and kept grinding and kept grinding. I heard Doc Rivers speak afterwards, and, you know, there was no real focus on... The brutalness of it. It just felt like everyone had their head down, knew it, and could feel what type of game it was. But there's a lot of minutes left. So the first quarter was the first quarter. Stuff happens. All right, we're here. How do we get out of this? All right, our shots are in front. What do we do to change the tide? To flip the switch? And they just kept going and going and going. And then Joel Embiid said, yeah, hold on a second. Right before half, watch me do my thing. Watch me get a couple buckets. And Tobias in the third. Tobias in general. I love it, man. I love this version of Tobias Harris. It's incredible. Finished with a double-double. Helped out on the boards. Big time on the glass. The dudes a pro. Not the loudest. 18 plus. He does his thing, though, and that changes what this team can do. Sort of like how I just said with Thiebel. But when Tobias gets up, when your fourth option can be this scary. And if you need him on given nights where he's not your fourth option, let's think about this for a little bit of time, right? Because throughout an 82-game season, there's going to be plenty of stretches where some guys are not available, where guys are banged up, they're sidelined for a couple weeks, they're sidelined for hell, even a month or so, and you need someone else to step up. I'm not going to go back and forth about the contract. We know the contract. It has been something we've all debated in this city for literally years now. So the contract is what it is. That's not something I can change. But the fact that you have this dude who on any given night, if you are missing some guys for a period of time, can step into a number three role, can step into a number two role, can step into any of these roles and have this level of great play, You don't win these games without that. Take that for what it is. I'm not trying to sell you that Tobias is some machine. I'm not trying to tell you that Tobias is better than LeBron. I'm not telling you anything crazy. But within limits, within range here of who Tobias Harris is, I do believe it's important that you have somebody like that who's capable of giving you a 24-point performance and grabbing you 10 rebounds, who can get you 8 rebounds and score 26. When Tyrese Maxey's in a boot, when James Harden is still working on getting back to the floor. About a week ago or so, I saw some videos of some beat reporters. I believe it was at the Camden facility where he was putting up some shots. From there, I really haven't heard too much. Uh, Maybe I'm getting sidetracked by the Flyers sucking and ripping my soul out and the Eagles being 10-1 and and just not losing many football games and Jalen Hurts showing what he's capable of doing. But I'm just saying, I I think it's time to recognize with Tobias... He's an easy target. He's an easy, "Ah, I don't like him. He's not worth it. I'm just trying to show you that there's worth. And you don't put together this stretch. Think about how much basketball they've been playing lately. Realistically, their one loss in the most recent stretch made a lot of sense. A second half of a back-to-back against the Charlotte Hornets, when you played a game in Philadelphia... And then after that game, you flew to Charlotte? I'm just saying. Think about that. So up next, you got Cleveland. You got the Grizzlies. A couple of tough opponents for the rest of this week. But yeah, date back to the Brooklyn Nets game, November 22nd. So damn, it's the 28th right now, right? So they played one, two, three, four, five games from November 22nd. To November 28th. Think about how much basketball that is. They lost one game. On a second half of a back-to-back with travel. After playing a very emotional game at home. Say what you will about... uh, Maybe it not being as hostile as we thought it would be... With Ben Simmons because your starters were hurt. You go from that emotional game to a Charlotte team... That at the time had about four wins. That type of stuff happens. But if you're putting together this type of stretch, you'll be all right over the long haul. But I, I'm interested to see how they look against Cleveland. Who's off to a nice start this year. They put up 133 against Orlando on Sunday. It's just, it's funny. It's funny to think about. The the Cleveland Cavs at this point are third in the Eastern Conference at 13-7. and seven. But you have a man named Joel Embiid, in case you forgot. And that man is awesome. All right, we got some text messages here on the Anytime Hotline. We will start with Daquan. Daquan says, it's so nice to have Joel back. The bench did their job over the last five games or whatever it was. He's the leader and he showed why in the fourth quarter. And you know he was up early for that World Cup game. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. When he was getting interviewed... On the floor afterwards, he had the headset on talking to Ala and Kate Scott. He was asked the question on how early did you wake up to watch your team, and I swear to God, he went on a 25-minute monologue on what the team was doing and how they were doing. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, at one point, I'm like, I kind of lost it because I didn't exactly pay attention to his team and how they were doing. But I think just from a genuine, a, a genuine view of it, is like, you know, Joel's just showing his passion. Joel's letting you know how they played in the first half and this and that. He. Tried tried. Tried to tell us, though, that because it was a game day for the 76ers, to Daquan's point, he brought up the fact, that ah, you know, I couldn't wake up too early because it's a game day, so I caught the second half. Joel, who are you fooling, bro? (laughs) Come on. Who do you think you're pulling a fast one by? You don't have to hide anything. You dropped 30. You had seven assists. Uh, What was it, 38 and seven? We'll look at the full box score from, uh, From Hans. Okay? He had 37 and 8. 9 of 18 from the field. 12 of 13 from the line. For all the I hate when he takes three pointers, people, he went 0 for 1. And uh, Doc Rivers even stated himself, for all the people that say he takes too many threes and the coaches allow him to do whatever he wants, he specifically brought up how he thought he was getting the ball way too high and wants him more on the elbow to get the ball there so he can operate on the block. What do you know? What do you know? They actually do utilize that method, even though there's a lot of people out there that claim he doesn't. When, no, hold on a second. He does. But, Joel, okay. We know you woke up early. We know you set that alarm to the earliest possible so you can watch that game. That's okay. If you have 30, you can do whatever the hell you want to do, Joel. And the fact that he does this with his first game back returning just makes you that much more special. That's all. I would lean into it more. And I crack up too, when you saw before the game, Joel is going to take warmups. Matisse is going to take warmups and see how he feels before they elect to say he's activated. Oh, so he's playing. When was the last time Joel took warmups and then afterwards felt he couldn't go? I'm sure there's a time out there, possibly, but it's been a long period of time. I honestly couldn't even tell you. The last time doesn't even ring a bell because most of the time he puts up his shots, it's, yeah, we're good. We're grooving. Let's go tip the basketball. I'm ready to give you 59. Just saying. But yeah, I I thought that was pretty funny too, Daquan. Paul texts in and says, will Tobias ever get credit in this city that he deserves? I don't know. I don't know, I, and it's it's such a weird position to be in. I oh man, this is hard, Paul. This is a hard one. Will we ever get credit? I don't know. I mean, last year he had a damn good postseason for what it was, and then throughout this recent run for him, I'm getting comments on the YouTube channel. Asking, why can't Tobias ever play like this in the playoffs? He did. You didn't watch that. He didn't pay attention. So, I don't know. I guess, my unfortunately, as I ramble and stutter and talk all over myself and my brain is just all mixed right now because there's so many different layers to this one and, I mean, you can peel it back so many different ways, but from a very, very simplistic view of it all, will he ever get the credit he deserves? No. No because of how much money he gets paid. And he'll never live up to that. He could play damn good. He could be phenomenal in his role. He could have a great playoff game, like a, a, I'm talking 38 points in a playoff game in a seven game series, and then follow that up with 20, follow it up with 18, follow that up with 19. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. And I don't think he'd get the credit he deserves because you go, yeah, well, we paid him to get that 38. He should have got 38 in six games. You could lose because the other team just is quite uh, flat out better than you or you don't have the bench to compete by the end or injuries play a role or whatever. But that money is always going to get tied to Tobias's name. And at times I think that's fair. And at times I think it's not fair. I always go back to sometimes when having these type of debates with people, there's got to be a time where you just acknowledge something about uh, a player and th- that's just kind of like a given. And I think then, I-, I guess what I'm trying to explain is, at some point, you're grading on a curve, kind of. And the curve with a bias is you recognize he won't live up to that money. But there's still so much he can do. So let's grade him on a Tobias Harris scale and not the scale of the max contract player, even though that's part of it always. That's the way I kind of view it. Everyone has their own view. I don't think he'll get the credit, though. And Torch, Torch, Uh, why does this group look better without Harden? Maury made a mistake. Really? How come this happens every day? How come this is what we need to do on the daily? Harden made a uh, mistake. Maury made a mistake. He should have kept Ben Simmons. The guy who didn't want to play here. What should he have done? What did he do wrong? I really don't even want to engage in this. I'll go to the top part. Why does this group look better without Harden? What are we basing this off of? Now, I've given them a lot of credit for winning the recent games, but there's a big difference between what the overall goal is and then being able to hold the fort down in regular season games. Are we talking about winning a championship? What, is Shake, Min- Shake Milton going to run 40 minutes of play in the NBA postseason and will you to victory? With a two-man game with Embiid, I don't think so. Not big picture. I think there's times if Shake can play this well, where you can do something with that for a very small amount of time that can help you out here and there in doses. But what are we talking about here? Playing the Orlando Magic, and and, and I don't want to discredit what they did because I think it's important what they did once again, here's the curve. All right, let's just use the curve again as our example. The curve of playing five regular season games, playing six regular season games, eight regular season games compared to the ultimate goal. You want to win a championship, you need top tier players. You want to be in the hunt every single season, you need top tier players. There's things to improve on with James Harden. We know the catch and shoot thing was a conversation last year. He's always wanting to put the ball on the floor. At times, the isolation can be an issue, but at the same time, the isolation could be why you win. Sometimes the one-on-one, let me break you down and shoot off the dribble and do my thing, well, sometimes why you win. Dribble, 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 step back for three. You know? Sorry, Torch. That's all you got for me. I can't spend too much longer. I think I've already spent too much time on that type of comment. That's where we're at today. That's how you feel? Nah, James Harden. What a horrible piece. I'm glad I don't think like that. All right, everyone. Thank you. You're the greatest. I love you. Thank you guys so much. And I'll catch you on the next one.